Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Anyway, um, we're talking today about the workers in the vineyard from Matthew 21 to 16. But before we start talking about the workers in the vineyard, I thought I should maybe um, give a wee explanation of, because sometimes we hear about the kingdom of heaven and sometimes we hear about the kingdom of God and it can maybe be a bit confusing. So to settle that, we go to Matthew 19, verse 23 to 24. And that's where uh, Jesus speaks of both the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. When he's talking about it's um, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter um, into the kingdom of heaven. I'll just get that, 23 and 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I say to you, assuredly, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So he's using the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God to explain that same thing. And the eye of the needle was actually a place, um, it, it was a structure uh, that was well known um, in the area where uh, if a camel was going to go through, the camel had to be divested of all its burden. So it could only go through without anything, carrying anything through. And that's a picture of us when we go to heaven, when we, we cannot take with us the things that we value so much here. You know, um, and I was thinking about Elon Musk and how he's striving to own Twitter. And he's going to sink all that money into something that is so permanent, it's temporary, so passing away. But if we sink our investment, our money into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, then we get an amazing return. <laughs> so um, back to the workers in the vineyard. Now, only Jesus can really describe the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God because that's where he came from. So he is the best equipped to, to tell us about it. And so he was teaching about the kingdom in terms of a landowner who goes out throughout the day to hire workers to bring in the harvest before the rains come and spoil the crops. So I'm just going to read... For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right I will give you. So notice he doesn't specify a sum. So they went 
Again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So that uh, expression, the 11th hour, that's where we get our 11th hour from, (laughs) just in the nick of time, really. So they only had an hour's work. But putting it into a more modern context, time-wise, the landowner goes out throughout the day to hire the workers. So there is an urgency here because he's going several times, which is why he goes out throughout the day. The father is the landowner and we are those looking to be hired. Many workers arrive at 6 a.m. our time and are hired at the daily sum of a denarius. Now I know that one of those workers would be Marlene because Marlene was saying just the other day there that she begins her day then. Um, At that time, I'm just turning over, so I would be one of the later ones. (laughs) So uh, they're happy to work for this denarius, and no doubt they give their best effort for their wages. So then about about 9 a.m. our time, the landowner goes out again and hires more workers, assuring them that he will pay what is fair. Those workers would not expect a full day's pay. So think about your expectations where God's concerned. If you have shortcomings that you're so aware of, then you can sometimes transfer them onto God. Not that he has these shortcomings, but that he sees you the way you see yourself. So then at noon, he goes out again and hires still more workers for an unspecified but fair price. And again, there would be no expectation of a denarius. Finally, at 5 p.m., which is the 11th hour, the landowner goes back to the marketplace to hire whoever has shown up for the last hour's work of the day, and again for an unspecified but fair price. When asked why they had come so late, the workers replied that no one would hire them. So they had been going about from place to place throughout the day, persevering in the hope that eventually someone would hire them, even if just for an hour. And that can speak to us as well. If you've been somebody that has gone from place to place searching for what you need to fulfill your life, and I know I did. Think how happy they must have been to be able to earn something to take home Maybe in their eyes, a little was better than nothing. But again, their expectation would probably be to just get a little. As the story unfolds, we'll see that Jesus is actually describing the landowner rather than his vineyard. There's so many stories about the vineyard, but this is about the landowner. It's the ways of the landowner, the father, which turn out to be so contrary to the ways of the world. So the kingdom of heaven is not so much a place as a system operating which is so unlike any other system of rule in the world. 
Bearing this in mind, let's read on. Verse 8. So when evening had come, and the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. Now just take a minute, a second rather, <laughs> to think about that, about the joy of being given a denarius for an hour's work. But when, sorry, I've lost the place here. And, <clears throat> but when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. Now again, we have to think in the, the world's terms, whose side would you have been on? Thinking just purely in worldly terms. We would have been on the side of the complainers because it didn't seem fair. They felt cheated. But were they cheated? Because they had agreed a denarius. So here we've got a scenario where suddenly what, what made them happy now made them really annoyed, really angry. So their joy was taken away because others were blessed. How many have ever been in that position, and I hold up my own hand, where our joy is taken away because others are blessed, when we felt it should have been us? And if you're not in that category, well, I really envy you <laughs> because <laughs> you're already there so much further on than, than I was. Um, but these are things that we have to learn um, because in the natural, it does seem very unfair but we have to go back to what the father said, the landowner. And he said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? I just let that sink in as well. So the last will be first and the first last, for many are called, but few are chosen. You know, um, when we think about fairness and justice in the world, I remember there was a group in, when, in my Catholic days and they were called the Justice and Peace Group. And we were in the pro-life group and we used to meet in different rooms in the, the same building. And this guy remarked to me one day, he said, you know, those justice and peace people, they get all het up, don't they? <laughs> and it just seemed to belie what they were all about, justice and peace. And you know yourself, you've seen people shouting for justice and shouting for peace. Did Jesus shout for justice and peace? He was a prince of peace. And he was completely fair and completely just, and yet he suffered complete injustice 
for our sake, and he opened not his mouth. So, you know, when you think about things that way, if you want to belong, and I, I want to belong to this wonderful kingdom, then you're going to be turned upside down in your thoughts and your ways of doing things and your ways of thinking. Because as Isaiah tells us, now I've skipped, I've mucked it all up uh, for the, the thing, but Isaiah tells us that God's ways are not our ways, that his thoughts are not our thoughts, that his ways are so high above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts. But his ways and his I mean, the kingdom of God means God's way of doing things. And that's what we want to learn. How can we learn that except through the Holy Spirit? That's why we need the Holy Spirit. If he says, don't, then we'll know it. And then if he says, go, we'll jump in. Because we need his voice in our ear, in our, the, the listening ear of our heart to know when to act and when not to act, when to speak, especially that, and when not to speak. You know, because I think I would have been a real campaigner for, you know, these men. In fact, I would have been a union representative and going and say, <laughs> saying, what's this all about? But it's all about the kingdom, where the kingdom is about being blessed. And sometimes our feelings, the devil, of course, he whips up our feelings of injustice. And then other people, there's two groups there, the, the ones who are blessed out of their boots and the ones who are absolutely, who feel that they have been cheated. Feel cheated, that word, feel, you know, and they have worked so hard. Now, there was a group that lived at the time of Jesus, the Pharisees, they felt cheated. They worked so hard to maintain the law, to live up to the law, which we know nobody could do. And here comes Jesus, and he's letting just anybody in, blessing those that in their eyes didn't deserve, hadn't done the work, didn't have the qualifications. So if you want to belong to this kingdom, be prepared to see others being blessed ahead of you. But your time will come, and God is looking, watching, to see how, how do you take this? Are you ready for this? Because this is the way of the kingdom. And I want to get to that place, and I'm not there yet. I mean, I admit that. I want to get to that place where I am so happy to see somebody being blessed ahead of me. I want to genuinely feel that way, and I'm not going to kid you on that I do all the time. <laughs> but it's where we're all headed to that place. And you know, in churches, that's the place where the complaining often is the loudest. <laughs> like, why is this old woman up on the platform and not me? I don't know. I don't know at all. <laughs> But why, why, why this, why that? Why was her name mentioned before my name? You know, all of that, we've got to really stop and think, Lord, help me. <laughs> help me to understand this. And then the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us understanding 
and the Word, of course, the wonderful Word. So I've got a story to tell you from my own life. <laughs> when Jim and I were getting married, and I, this speaks about your expectation. Don't have that expectation. Well, if I work hard, God is going to reward me. God sees your heart. It's your heart he looks at. You know, and sometimes people get an opportunity to work hard where others wish they could work hard. But it's the heart God's looking at. That's the equalizer in his eyes, really. The heart, the gratitude that we have towards him in our heart. So raise your expectations where God is concerned as he looks at you. Don't look at your shortcomings or other people being blessed ahead of you. Look at him and what he thinks of you. And I'm telling you, this story that I'm going to tell you now, when we were getting married, my grandmother, I had two grandmothers. One was just wonderful, and the other was a bit less wonderful. But <laughs> the one that was less wonderful lived to be a 100 and the one that was so wonderful was only a year older than me when she died. And I was only 10 then, but this other gran. So by, time, by the time Jim and I were getting married, she made this announcement. She always had such power. And she said, right, I want you to go and buy a table and chairs. I want to buy you a table and chairs for your wedding. Your wedding present. Well, because... I had this low expectation of this grandmother because I had seen if she was pleased with you, she would buy you something amazing. But if she wasn't, you got a dozen fresh eggs. I'm not joking. A dozen fresh eggs. So my cousin must have upset her one time. It was his 21st birthday, and he got a dozen fresh eggs. <laughs> So those, that, that, you know, it was really symbolic, the eggs as well. You think, get egg in your face, but that, that's what she did. And it was as though she was giving you something amazing. And when I was thinking about these workers, I was thinking, I bet you they felt as though they'd got a dozen fresh eggs compared to the ones that had been so blessed. So on with this story. So knowing her, I didn't raise my expectations very high. And I said to Jim, well, we'll just get a kitchen table and chairs. And my father worked for a company called Fisher's Household Supply Limited. Maybe you've heard of it. Anyway, he, he got a further discount. So I can remember, because it stung me, <laughs> it cost £38 for this kitchen table, a white Vermica table and four white chairs with black seats. And that's what we got. So she never said a word. She just handed over the 38 pounds. And so that, that was it. Two years later, my sister was getting married. And she said the same thing to my sister. I want to buy you a table and chairs for your wedding present. So my sister and her husband went off to a, quite an upmarket shop called Dales of Dolry. And she bought a teak wood you know, the wood teak, um, Macintosh, dining table, and four chairs and two carvers. <laughs> it was way beyond my reach at the time, but she just bought that. 
So when she came back to my grandmother, I expected my grandmother to blow a fuse. She just handed over 150 pounds, which it was at the time. So do you know, that really stung me for years. <laughs> when I thought, how silly was I to just get this kitchen table thinking that that's all she would want to give? Well, many years later, when uh, my grandmother was this time living with my mum and dad, and my mum and dad were exhausted looking after her, so she came over to me for a wee while, a few days, and I was ironing one night, my grand grandma was sitting there, and suddenly she said, eh, Francis, I believe I owe you a hundred pounds. Oh, I said, you owe me a hundred pounds? She said, um, yes, she said, um, the difference between the table you bought and the table Mary bought. <laughs> so she handed me uh, this hundred pounds. Now, the moral of the, uh, the lesson from that story is if I had had the same high expectations that my sister had had, had I, would have, I would have bought a much more valuable gift. So don't be the one that feels as though you've had a dozen fresh eggs. Feel blessed no matter what, you know. Um, and and because, because of... Uh, of the comparison, I began to look at that kitchen table and I hated it, you know, because it just didn't mean the same to me anymore. I felt cheated. I felt, but I cheated myself, really. You know, and all those negative feelings came and they didn't have to come. So now I've completely lost the place, so. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's the thing. God is good and he likes to bless, he wants to bless and he blesses those in our eyes often that don't deserve it. But we don't get to judge. We don't, we don't know the, the human heart. We don't know what goes on in the, the person's heart. Even in the instant before death, we don't know what transpires because God sees the heart and deals with the heart. So, um, I think that was just about everything in that. Um, if you think about the thief in the cross, he was the last, I mean, he had been a thief all his life. He was a right ranging. But he recognized the goodness of Jesus. He recognized his savior. He recognized Jesus as his savior. And so he was first in paradise along with Jesus. You know, think about that as well. Jesus snatched him from the kingdom of darkness and took him into the kingdom of light. So the, I think really um, that's, that's the message in, in that story. The world's ways are so far from the ways of the kingdom. And if you expect the, the kingdom to act like the world, how many Christians do we know you wouldn't be able to tell which kingdom they lived in, really? And I take that on myself at times as well. We're no different. And yet, we have to be different. But we can't be different. We can't live in that kingdom 
without the Holy Spirit because it's a spiritual kingdom. But one day when Jesus comes again, he'll establish that kingdom for all to see. You know, think about that. And some people don't think that's all that far away. We don't know, though. We don't get to know. And even Jesus doesn't know until the Father gives the nod. So um, it's good to be a worker in the vineyard. The marketplace, you know that people struggle to find work in the marketplace, especially nowadays. You don't need to struggle to find work in the vineyard. The the people in the story went from the marketplace into the vineyard and they were blessed. No matter what time they came in at. And the ones that came late, the ones that came early, that were up early doors and they got the whole day's work, think of the security they felt working. They'd got their job. They had been there. And they were bound to feel a bit of, oh, it's good good that I got there early because I got the whole day. But the ones that came late, they must have felt that they had missed out, but they persevered. And that's for us as well. Persevere. Keep going when it doesn't seem like worth going any longer, but keep going. Keep going because we serve a wonderful God. And he's a God that, as uh, Ellie said, he stretches you. He stretches you to recognize that there's more in you than you think. And he's put more in you than you think. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.